Tonight we're going to march forward in our study in Proverbs. It's starting to feel sometimes like a march that we're plotting our way through it. And we're going to continue our movement tonight. Tonight we come to a new section within Proverbs. Starting in chapter 25, where we're going to begin at tonight, and going all the way through chapter 29, there is a book of Proverbs within the book of Proverbs. And so we come to a new section, starting in chapter 25, going all the way to chapter 29, and it is a section of Proverbs, a book of Proverbs, that is within the book of Proverbs. Now, this section was called Hezekiah. Now, that is how it was known. Uh, make sure and understand tonight that it is not a, another book, or it's not a standalone book, but it is a book within, again, the book of Proverbs. It was, it is called Hezekiah because it was written by the scribes of King Hezekiah. Now, they took some of the Proverbs of King Solomon and they organized them, they edited them, they transcribed them into this section that we're going to begin to look at tonight. These Proverbs, be sure and understand, they are the wisdom of God. Be sure this section still is the word from God, and it holds that place and that value to us. And so it is a different section. Uh, it is organized by these scribes, but it is the wisdom of God. It is the word of God, and it holds that value to us. Now, as we move into it, starting tonight, moving through these chapters, you're going to notice they are plain instructions for living in a way that would honor God. That's what they are. They are plain instructions for living according to the wisdom of God. Many times we will say, and I say it, maybe you say it as well, many times we say, well, if God would just say it, I would listen. You ever say that? If God would just say it, if he would just make it plain, I'm pretty sure I would listen. Well, understand, again tonight, he's going to say it. You want him to say it? He's going to say it. He's going to make it plain, and we're going to have the option of following in obedience. And so, all right, 25 to 29, this section, it's going to be plain instruction in living in a way that honors God. Tonight, we're going to look at the first seven verses of this section. We're in chapter 25. We're going to look at verses 1 through 7. Now, here is the question. There's going to be a lot of things introduced in this big section, but here is the question. Here is the topic for tonight. Now, I think it's very relevant, very timely for us. The question tonight is this. How do we live in a political world? How do we live seeking to live with Jesus as our king in a world where people are our leaders, where people are our kings? How do we live in a political world? Let me just be honest tonight. That is a hard thing to know. I watch the culture today. I watch the climate today. That is a hard thing to know what to do. Now, let me tell you where, where I go, and I go back and forth. Sometimes I think that, man, we ought to get into the political system. We ought to get in there, and we ought to seek to establish a Christian truth. We ought to seek to promote 
Christian truth through the political system. We ought to make an effort. Sometimes I think, you know what, that's what we need to do. That's what we ought to put our effort in. People have tried that. People are trying that right now. Uh, if you can remember back to the 1980s, the moral majority, remember them? We're going to get all the congressmen together. We're going to get all these uh, political heavyweights together, and we're going to swing the government uh, to a Christian moral ethic. That was their goal. Sometimes I think we ought to do that. I'll be honest. Sometimes I think that's what we ought to do. Other times, however, I start to think, you know what? This system's not ours. This system's broken. Maybe it's too far gone. Sometimes I start to think, well, you know what? Our change comes with changed hearts, not changed laws. And I'll just tell you, sometimes, other times, I find it hard ever even to vote for one of the candidates. And I'll look at both the candidates, and they're so unchristlike that I'll go, you know what, I have a hard time even voting for either one of them. And I can fall into both of those camps. Well, the question then becomes, so what do we do living as people that want to honor Jesus as the king in a political world today? Well, it's pretty interesting God in many places in Scripture, but God for sure, especially in these Proverbs, leads us in that. That is part of our life uh, following Christ. That is part of our, as, of our life until he comes again. And so he doesn't leave us directionless. He actually leads us in this area as well. Well, tonight in our seven verses, it's going to change very quickly, but tonight... In our seven verses, it's going to deal with this subject. How do we live in a political world? All right, let's go to our verses. I'm going to start off in the first verse. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, which the men of Hezekiah, king of Judah, transcribed. Listen to that first verse. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, which the men of Hezekiah, King of Judah transcribed. All right, God gives Solomon godly wisdom. We remember that. Holding godly wisdom, he is wiser, the Bible says, than any person that's ever lived. God gives him great wisdom, godly wisdom. And holding that wisdom, he is wiser than any person to live. Well, King Hezekiah, he comes along, he lives and he rules about 270 years later, it's been a pretty good time, he is the 13th king of Judah. Now, he follows a long line of wicked kings. He follows a long succession of evil kings. His own dad, King Ahaz, was a wicked king. He was an evil king. Now, what that means is he leads the nation to sin. He leads the nation to false worship. He leads the nation to pagan practice. Well, King Hezekiah comes into power, and the Bible says he is one of the few good kings. When you read his description, he is described as walking with God, seeking the honor of God, and doing good in the sight of God. So it was his mind, it was his heart, it was his action lived out. He is walking with God. He is honoring God. He is seeking to do good in the sight of God. In fact, the Bible says he is said to be more God-honoring, the Bible says, than all of those that ruled before him. And so that's a great testimony. All of those 
he is more God-honoring. Well, his scribes, those that serve him as scribes, they take these Proverbs of King Solomon and they organize them and they edit them and they transcribe them and they make this section of Proverbs. That's what verse 1 tells us. That brings us to the first thing here in verse 1. The first thing is this. When a king is walking with God, and when a nation is seeking to honor God, there is an emphasis made on the word of God. And that's what we get from the context of that first verse. When, when, a, when a king is walking with God, when a nation is seeking to honor God, there is value given, there is credence given to the word of God. Now I want you to be sure the reason this happens, what's recorded here, the reason that these scribes began to write these down, and the only reason this happens is because there was a godly king leading the nation's heart back to God. Let me tell you something, you know this. Today our problem is the setting aside of the word of God. We see it in our laws, we see it in our courts, we see it in our politicians, we see it in our world, we're seeing it in our churches. Our problem is the setting aside of the word of God, the ignoring of the word of God, the replacing of the word of God. It is all around us. Let me tell you, sadly, it's in churches today. There are churches in order to, to gain popularity. There are churches in order to not offend folks. There are churches in an attempt to draw people in that are setting aside right now the word of God. Friends, listen to me tonight. We need a resurgence of the word of God. What we need, we need a resurgence of the word of God. Are you with me on that? Then let me ask you this, where's it going to start? Oh boy, these politicians need to get their Bibles out. These folks need to get their Bibles out. If we need a resurgence of the word of God, listen, brother and sister, it starts with us. You need a resurgence of the word of God. I need a resurgence of the word of God. All right, that's the first verse. Second verse is really a pretty interesting verse. I, I like this verse. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. Now, we, we lose a little bit of the, the understanding is coming out of Hebrew, but it is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings is to search out a matter. Let me explain this to you. God's wisdom is unsearchable. God's ways, he tells us, are above our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. And so honestly, the things of God are mind-blowing. And that's, that's the reality. The things of God, they are deep, and they are awesome, and they are mind-blowing. Let me give you a couple examples. Think about the Trinity tonight. Three individuals distinct. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God. Not three gods, three individuals. Not, they're not the same, but they're unified in, in their Godhead. That, that is deep. I want to tell you, you can start to think about that. And tonight, if you can't sleep, you can start to think about that. And it, it'll, it'll, it'll stretch your mind out. What about an eternal God? Well, he's an eternal God. That makes sense. Start to think about that. He doesn't have a beginning. And so if you back up 
to here, he he's already there. And if you back up to here, he's already there. And so you say, well, in the beginning, well, in the beginning, he's already there. Well, what if we back up over here? He's already there. Well, where did he come from? Where's his start? He doesn't have a start. Well, what do you mean he doesn't have a start? He doesn't have a start. Listen, he doesn't, he's there. He's there. Well, how'd he get there? Well, he doesn't have a start. Well, that doesn't make any sense. That's, that's wild. What does that even mean for us? Our God is eternal. Here's another one. In Christ, we see perfect justice and perfect grace and mercy. The upholding of perfect justice and the giving of perfect grace and mercy. Did you know that can't be? Did you know you have to let one of those go? You can either be perfectly just and you can enforce the law, or you can be perfectly gracious and merciful and you can let go of it. Did you know that perfectly reconciles in the person of Jesus Christ? Our God is deep. He's profound. It's mind-boggling to think about the truths of our God. Well, here's what verse 2 says. Verse 2, listen to this. It is to God's glory how deep are his truths. It is to his, it makes us marvel at him. It is to his glory how deep are his truths. Listen to this. But it is to a king's good and to a king's glory to try and figure them out. That's what verse 2 says. It is to God's glory how deep and profound he is. But it is to a king's glory that he would set out to try and figure them out. Here's what that means. It means you want a king, you want a leader, not dumb to the things of God. I can give you an example, I won't. <laughs> you want a king, you want a leader, not unfamiliar to the word of God. 2 Corinthians. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You want a leader not unfamiliar to the word of God, they know the word of God. You want a king and a leader that considers the things of God. Let me give you a side bonus here. And any person that thinks they have it all figured out have no clue what they're talking about. And I meet somebody, they say, well, it's this, and the Trinity's like this, and this is like that, and this is this, and, and I got it all mapped out. Our God's profound. He is, he is tremendously profound. But we need to look and find a leader that loves the things of God, that loves to think about the things of God, that's familiar with the word of God and is astounded by the word of God. Verse 3. As the heavens for height, how high is that? As the earth for depth, so the heart of kings is unsearchable. Now, verse 3 is in the exact same line of thought. It comes along right behind verse 2. And verse 3 is telling us, it's really prescriptive to us, find a king that is deep but wants to be deeper in the things of God. Find a king that is wise but wants to be wiser in the wisdom of God. I've told this story before, it impresses me. He wasn't a king, and he wasn't a political leader. He was a pretty quiet man. His name was William Brown. He's gone now, he's passed away. He was a farmer. I've, I've told you this before, I believe. As, as a sophomore in high school, uh, one Christmas break, he hired me to help uh, him and his son strip cotton. 
And my job, I was going to run the module builder, so I'd get out of school, and, and then during the Christmas break, I'd go out there and, and run the module builder. And I remember this one night, and it's in my memory, this particular night, it was a brisk night. Now, it wasn't, it wasn't just crazy cold, but it was cold. It was a crisp night. There was no wind. About 9.30 in the evening, uh, it had been dark about three hours, and he decided to stop stripping. Now, I remember he goes, and he pulls up in the bowl buggy, and he kills it, and he kills the tractor that's running the module builder, turns off all the tractors. Now, the stripper was on the far side of the field. We could barely hear or see the, the cotton stripper. And I remember how quiet it was. And he climbed up, this old guy climbs up on the ladder of the module builder, and he gets on the, the platform of the module builder, and he stands there. And I remember a 15, 16-year-old kid, I remember standing looking at him, and he froze. And he just looked up. And there were stars all the way from the ground all the way, and there were stars everywhere. And, and, and it, was a, it was an awesome sight in every direction. And, and he just looked around. And he didn't say anything. He just looked around, and it was perfectly still in the cool of the night. And he just looked around, and he saw all those stars. And he said this, how anyone could not believe in God, I don't know. That's what he said. Now, here's the weird thing. He wasn't talking to me. He was marveling at God. He didn't have anybody to impress. He, he didn't say that. That was the muse of his heart. He was in awe at God. And as he stood there, how anybody could not believe in God, I don't know. Let me tell you something. Find a leader like that. Follow a leader like that that marvels at the majesty of God. All right, verses 4 and 5. Take away the dross from the silver. And there comes out a vessel for the smith. Take away the wicked before the king, and his throne will be established in righteousness. Now there's a clear picture in verses 4 and 5. The first one is an example for us, the, the pouring of a fine vessel. Maybe it's a silver plate. Maybe it's a silver uh, cup that's being poured. Uh, the, the silversmith would refine the silver. So you have the, the raw material, you have the silver, and you remove all the impurities. You refine it, and you remove all the impurities, and then you pour it into its mold, and there comes out a useful vessel, a beautiful vessel. Well, that's the example of verse 5, the, the applications, verse 4, the applications in verse 5, in the same way, if the king takes out the wicked from the nation and for sure takes out the wicked from the cabinet, he establishes his throne in righteousness. His leadership, if he's wise like the silversmith and he removes the problems, he removes the impurities, his leadership produces righteousness. Here's the wisdom of God. Look who surrounds the leader because the leader is probably going to be a lot like them. And so you, you want to know what we ought to do? We ought to look around the folks that are around our leaders because our leaders are going to be a lot like them. Let me be very real with you tonight. If the leader, and whether it's in a church or in a government, in a nation, if the leader 
has people who are accepting of sin, who are promoting of sin, who are participating in sin. I could say some things. If the leader has people who are comfortable in sin, and if that's not a problem for the leader, that is a condemnation of that leader. And that's the fact. You find a leader, you know what, sin's all around them, and this person, they promote sin, and they walk in sin, and they're comfortable in sin, and they want other folks to do the same. That is a reflection of and a condemnation of that leader. Take away the dross from the silver, and there comes out a vessel for the, for, for the smith. Take away the wicked before the king, and his throne will be established in righteousness. Now, verses 6 and 7, we're going to look at them together. I'll read them together. Do not claim honor in the presence of the king, and do not stand in the place of great men. For it is better that it be said to you, come up here, than for you to be placed lower in the presence of the prince whom your eyes have seen. Verse 6 says, Do not claim honor in the presence of the king. Do not seek to stand in the place of great men. Now, let, let me tell you something. Today, for sure, but it's really been for all time, it's always been this way, the political system is the way to power. And it may be the greatest way to power. The political system, it's the way to power. It is the way to have a position. It is the way to prestige. And it is, as we see in our world, it's the way to wealth. The political system, it's the way to wealth, power, prestige in our culture. And so here's what happens. People seek to get in the big room. And they show up and they elbow their way into the big room and they want to be in the circle of all the important men and they want to get in the inner circle. Today they want to take pictures with all those guys and, and for some reason that adds validity to them. If I can just get a picture with this person or that person and they clamor to get there. And it is an exercise of pride. Let me tell you something I believe and this is my belief. I believe nothing is grosser than preachers, pastors, clamoring to be in the political arena. Now, you hear that, and listen, should we pray? Yes. Should we offer biblical, biblical counsel? Yes. Should we seek and promote godly leaders? Yes. But I want to tell you, we're living in a day when there's pastors more concerned with a place on a stage, more concerned with books that are for sale, that they've forgotten that the message is Jesus Christ. They've forgotten and neglected that their business is the preaching of the word of Jesus Christ. I say it all the time, our hope's not in a political system. Our hope is in Jesus. And when you invest all of your resources in a political system, it is a hope that will fail. We preach Jesus. Do not... Listen to verse 6 again. Do not claim honor in the presence of the king and do not stand in the place of great men. Listen to verse 7 again. For it is better that it be said to you, come up here, than for you to be placed lower in the presence of the prince whom your eyes have seen. Now verse 7 is very practical. Verse 7 is about us. What do we do? Verse 7 is about us. Instead of posing 
instead of positioning yourself, instead of trying to get a seat at the big table, now here's what may happen there. They may figure out you shouldn't be there. They may figure out you're too dumb to be there. They may figure out you have nothing to offer when you're there. And so you're there and you've gotten your way to the big seat and they go, what in the world, how'd this person get here? Instead of doing that, here's what we do. We live in righteousness. We do the right thing. We quietly walk in humility. Do you see how opposite the world this is? Get in there, make a splash, promote yourself. Get known. No, live in righteousness. Do the right thing. Quietly walk in humility. Grow in God's word. Grow in God's wisdom. And then, you know what they're going to do? They're going to say, hey, you, obedient to God. Hey, you, absent from foolishness in your life. Hey, you, come up here. What do we do in a political world? Here's your answer. We live in obedient, righteous humility. Pray for the leaders, yes. Seek godly leaders, yes. Promote godly leaders, yes. What do we do? We live in obedient, righteous humility. God will bless it. God will use it. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we, we come and we praise you tonight. We thank you tonight. We're thankful for the leading of your word tonight. I pray that we would take hold of it. I pray that we would learn from it. I, I pray that it would bear fruit. That yes, we would, we would seek godly leadership. Yes, we would pray for our leaders. But most of all, that we would walk in obedience. That we would be people of your wisdom, people of your word. That we would walk in righteousness. That we would do the right thing. That we would be humble people walking in humility. And I pray, Lord, that you'd be known through that that the difference would be seen in that, that you'd be glorified in that. Lord, we're thankful again that you lead us through your word. We praise you. I pray that we would take this to heart. Lord, I pray for us in a world where wisdom is rare. I pray that as we've heard in this room and some heard in a different way, that wisdom begins to take hold and we walk in wisdom. Lord, I pray as we go into a new week and we know not the things that this week will, will reveal to us, will show to us, I pray that we'd be faithful. I pray that we would be hope-filled. I pray that we would be diligent to walk in obedience. I pray that we would walk in humility. Lord, I pray that we would be bold in proclaiming the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And I pray, Lord, that in the days that are ahead that you would be pleased, that you'd be known, that your name would be lifted up. I pray for homes in our church tonight, I pray for dads in our homes tonight. I pray for mothers. I pray for kids. Pray for those that have influence with young people. I pray, Lord, that we're faithful to point to your word. I pray, Lord, for our church, that you would empower it, that you would ignite it, that you would use it, that it would exist as a beacon for your hope. Lord, I pray for those that are ill tonight, some terribly sick, some with terrible prognosis. Pray for those that are hurting in the wake of loss tonight. I pray that you'd be there peace. And then, Lord, I pray that in all of that, again, that we would be filled with hope, resting in you. Lord, we come tonight and tell you we love you. That's our, that's our heart tonight. We love you. We praise you. We thank you. And I pray in Jesus' name.
Amen.